space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, Sir Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. And I was a traitor this whole time, Dragon! And we're here to talk about the latest two episodes. Well, not the latest two, because, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but the the two episodes of the Dominion War the, uh, in the presses from '97 or whatever. There is some um, almost Trek news. Uh, there is rumors that have come out this past week. There is and indeed. It, I don't know if mine's the same as yours, but it's regarding legacy. Oh, oh, go on then. That, um, well, actually, I have two pieces of Trek news. Uh, but the first one, Legacy, there's a lot of uh, rumours coming out uh, that Paramount are wanting to reduce their production costs by 30%, and they've done a deal with Amazon for Legacy, and Amazon are going to pick up the 30% on the same deal they had with Picard, where it'll go out on Paramount on a Thursday and Amazon on the Friday, and we should be getting the to, to the Paramount start of the new series. Well, we should be getting the new series at the um, start of twenty-five. I mean, when I say money, the end I mean of twenty-five. Yeah, do, do they just not well, want subscribers anymore? Have they just given up. Like it's like, ah, look, we're totally keeping it up for now. But let's face it, white flag. And and this is actually one a genuine one. There's one of my Facebook groups that I'm on, Star Trek Modelers Group, and Terry Matalus. The producer for season three, Picard, went on it today and asked somebody if they could make him an actual physical model of the Enterprise D at studio scale with the air prop, how it's for the ending. And what the first person who commented on it was John Eves, who designed the Enterprise E, and said, I can knock that up for you. So there's going hmm. to, looks like uh, we're getting a physical model of the Enterprise D. <laughs> ah, do you know, that might tie into, because the other Trek news, which I think, uh, well, I know Jim's aware of, is that uh, a photo was released today from Section 31. It had Michelle Yeoh. It was covered Indeed. by a clapperboard, but you could see her eyebrows were arched up, and many have uh, speculated that she's might be a Romulan undercover Section 31 in the time she's ended up in. I wonder if maybe that's a bit of a misnomer, because it, obviously in Legacy time, those two ships aren't in commission. And E, as far as I know, was it destroyed in World? Yeah. Uh, He's heavily implied. Implied, and Worf was responsible. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if in uh, that's maybe for Section 31, maybe the time she ends up in, we get to see a little bit of a sneak peek of the two Enterprises. Uh, you know, and, and especially if she is moving through time. No, we don't know no it's just the Enterprise D from the end of Picard, where it's got, is it the Cerakos? Um, engine section. That's what he's asked for. <laughs> the physical model of the CGI. It, I don't know, but it, it still could be depending because we don't know what time she's in. 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, or it could be like the the Enterprise D I would get, but yeah, as I say, the implications we've all said well, was that the Enterprise E was destroyed. Well, so we don't know if yeah. he wants it for filming or if he just wants it as a personal model for his own personal thing, because he went that on the model group that and asked, and asking specifically and I'm thinking of that size though, and if he's like show running one of the shows, and I don't know if is he involved <laughs> in section thirty one? I don't know. Not that I'm aware of. I just thought People might like to know that uh, yeah. the showrunner is actually been on site asking for a physical model to be built for him. And John Eves was the first person to comment. And when I went, I can knock that up for you. <laughs> I mean, geez, you'd have to have a big house if you're getting it a studio size for your house. I mean, it might be, uh, but that seems extreme to me. But I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Hmm. Well, it's all interesting stuff, and yeah, the the section thirty one the um, the speculation is running rampant now because she is covering her eyebrow and her ear. So, and but you can't spin up the eyebrow; it's just it's arching up. It's definitely arching up. Yeah, it's, a little it, it, bit. She's never had her eyebrows like that. Like we have I'm seen Starfleet man, but we've never seen her eyebrows like that previously. We have we have seen Starfleet officers of the time period around discovery anyway or just after discovery season one who have or season two as well uh, that have done romulan disguising with surgery oh yeah well we've seen it in, in pretty much all the tracks you know it's like yeah. one time or another going undercover as romulan that's kind of like the tick list of, of trek <laughs> franchises it makes sense yeah it does they even so, had, like, in the I'm first sure. episode with the Romulans in, you had Sarek undercover as a, a Romulan agent. I mean, he yeah. looked like he died in that, that episode. And I'm sure we'll get time. more details as now that filming started, I'm sure we'll start to get a little bit more of insight into what exactly the Section 31 movie might be. Um, I hope we'll we don't get too much, because I like surprises, as you know. Oh, yeah. So do I, but... I, 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 it, it's one of these things, and I'm going to have to avoid Star Trek groups for the next, what, maybe a year, just so I don't see what's coming in Section 30, the Section 31 movie. I'd like to be surprised when I see it. And so do I, but I must admit, like, if it's just a photo, like, that is great for speculating. It doesn't really tell you. It just gets um, yeah, the I'm fine. yeah, I'm fine with that, that with the photo, but if people start leaking stuff and... Yeah, then you There'll start be half a dozen trailers of different shots and all that. Don't show me. Oh, you that. will get. That's what I was going to say. You will get half a dozen trailers. That'll be very hard to avoid. But but, I mean, well, it's easy um, to well, see cause... trailers because you just don't watch them. But it's still I photos. Know. If they give something away, it's a yeah. bit harder. It's like trailers of the trailer that they like to do now. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I was watching the trailer for Ghostbusters, uh, um, the new one, uh, Frozen Empire. Um, I, it was the first time I've, I'd shown the ex- seen the extended one they've now released. Oh, God, first of all, brought tears to my Genuinely, I was like, I was on the bus. It was quite embarrassing. And genuinely, I started welling up because there's so many nods to the original film. But at the beginning of it, they've done what they've started doing now, of having like a 10-second milli trailer at the beginning of the trailer. It's like... Just show me the fucking trailer. Like, what? What is three minutes too much for us to watch for? <laughs> what are we, what are we conservative um, members of the cabinet? What, there is they, actually a, a reason that. for that. Um, yeah, they, they, they do it because 
your um because most people are watching them on a mobile device and they're not sure of the connection and whatnot so they put in a little blurb of a trailer at the start so that it gives you connection time to stabilize so that you can actually watch the whole thing so that that's actually the reason why trailers do that bloody trailer for a minute i just well people don't and i the think, I think, it, think, I think it's that they're actually doing blip verts and we're all gonna blow up eventually i i Maybe. do think there is a genuine thing of like anyone who's old enough to remember max headroom will get that <laughs> I'm sure the thing of like the yeah mini trailers, so in case someone's buffering, I'm sure that's true on some level. But I think there's also a thing of like yeah, ten, they've only got five seconds of attention span, so we better kind of just pander to it. Show me the bloody possibly trailer. so. Anyway, so the episodes we're looking at this week are it's only a paper moon and chimera, and as we alluded to last week. This is the last time that we're skipping episodes once no, we start next week. Yes, it is. We're skipping one once, more episode. Yeah, once we start next week, <laughs> we yeah. won't be skipping any more episodes. Yeah, that's fair. So, it's only a paper moon then, which is very much the... well. It follows up on the plot point of Nog losing his leg, which we yeah. had last week. It, it's not really a diminutive... In fact, <laughs> it's quite fair to say these both episodes are only Dominion War adjacent. They're not actually yes. part... Yeah. They're not, they're not actually part of it, which is very odd for how we've done this series I, to pull two episodes out at the same time, but it's just out of the fallen. And I've got to say, I mean, Paper Moon, I particularly want to do just because it's like, it, if we don't do it now, it links so much to the other episode. Exactly. It, the it, second it, part it, to it, basically. Yeah. It, it, it just makes sense to do it yeah. straight. It, it would yeah, weird, be weird to miss that out because when else do you do it apart from yeah. if, if there's it's, National PTSD Day, you know? <laughs> it's important that, yeah, that, that this is a study of the impacts of the war, so it's an important episode to cover. It's, and it's, it's a far... I was off to say, it's one of the few times they've really tried to do PTSD. Discovery keeps uh, hinting that they're going to do it and then not mm. doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah Discovery never quite landed that, did they? The... No. Which is a shame, um, but anyway. So yeah, this is this is all about Nog, and it. There's a weird bit at the beginning. Like it starts off, they do this whole bit where they're going up to him and like, oh, can you believe it? it says he's down to light duties. Oh, he must be oh, taking yeah. the piss with that. that. I'm I like, that's a bit harsh. Yes. Well, yeah. Councillor well, Esprit just should be struck off just for that moment alone. <laughs> That's a dick move. You, like, you, have, you have also got the thing that it's all psychological with him. They have given him a full bill of health. No, no, like. But that's the thing. It is psychological. That's that's the reason you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, his mind's fried. Like, yeah, no, no, it's I've... psychological effects because he's feeling pain in the leg which shouldn't have pain. So they know at the very least he's got some. And even if you don't, surely you test the waters and see the guy before you go, ha lazy That's fucker. what I was going to say. It's like, you know, maybe maybe get a feel for where his mind's yeah. at before you, you go all in with taking the piss. But anyway... Um, and this is where we get this thing about his cane, and he does talk to Esri about it, that, 
I mean, I get where Nog's coming from, but we see more and more as this episode goes on that he is overly sensitive, that he's convinced everyone's looking at his cane all the time and looking at his leg all the time. And so, you know, all that is part of of what he's going through. Um, But they they plant the seeds of that early on by having him getting really defensive about it early. I, I think also there's a thing which is like, there's some stuff which he sort of seems to fall ass backwards into as a counselor, Esri, in this episode. But some of the stuff she comes up with is like, ah, I think it's totally valid to just let them go off and do whatever <laughs> and just see what happens. It's like, eh. like later on, she does explain a bit more that it's like, well, sometimes people can reveal what like they're going through, I think is what they were going for with it yeah she says something so. along those lines well, but it's like some it's, of the other stuff she says is just like that's bad shit you don't <laughs> just go yeah let's see well, what happens let's let a hologram just do that like i know we like vic uh, but it's like still i think it's like we've got that thing like through some of the episodes we've missed that we skipped out at the start of the season and there's a lot of these things where they're trying to shoehorn things about esri in mm. yeah uh, uh, and that's because they got rid of uh, terry farrell which they should never have done. It was ridiculous. But they did the decision. Nothing against Nicole DeBoer. Love her oh, to yeah, bits. Yeah. Great actor. She's a great actor. Yeah. But you have these things where they're trying to make her do stuff and it's it's too fast because you haven't got... Yeah. I haven't had six years previously to see a style of how she does the counselling. Mm-hmm. You have three... But this is the one of the occasions where she's got a full episode. Like, she is the second, I'd say, you know, like, well, no, third, because you've got Vic Fontaine. She's the third sort of highest, like, yeah, most screen time in this. Yeah. She's got so much time to for them to put in Pearl's Wisdom of Counseling, and it doesn't feel like they've done any research well, into counseling. They've just no. gone, ah, it sounds like a good idea. Let's just do that. Well, it, it gets, it to me, it almost plays like, they're playing it like, this is a really massively well-established character that we've seen years of their style and these strange things work without any groundwork to it for us to actually get that. And, that. and that's what I mean, that it seems like the style of counselling is being shoehorned in oh, I get it. without I, I, the groundwork. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, just feel I like, get I mean, the it's impression. Just, just be... Sorry, Jim. I I get the impression it's like a lot of Esri's character is she's not sure of herself and she's growing into herself and she's adjusting to all these memories and everything like that. And it's almost like they extend that to what she's like in her professional life. Yeah. Whereas I think it would be much more interesting if Esri, as a person before she got the symbiont, was a very good counsellor. And... Then yeah. we see how Dax plays into that, whereas it just seems like it, she's just not prepared for anything, including the things she should be prepared for, which is a bit of a disservice, I yeah, think, to the And I, I think, I think, sir, I was just wanting to, to come with this point, because I think that if they had done that, like, you know, they didn't even introduce the stuff, which they do in loads of other episodes, introducing the fact that she's finding herself, she's, like, not quite herself because she wasn't expecting to have the Jackson beer, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> They don't even mention that. That's not even brought in. And it's just like, it's just bad counselling, to be honest. I feel like all they had to do was get one counsellor on board and go, right, what's this like? What, what's it like to be a counsellor? Like Counsellor Troy, when she gave sessions, I felt like they'd done some research. They put some 
genuine counseling techniques in there. This yeah. just seems like, ah, that sounds good. Worked for the plot. Fuck it. It's yeah. just, it does a disservice to, to the profession, to be honest with you, and counseling. It makes it yeah. sound like making it up as they it's go It's almost on. like they've forgotten seven years of uh, that they had of making the next gen and having a counsellor on board and, and knowing how to write for a counsellor. Yeah, and yeah, and do. I, I don't know if they did research it for next gen, but it certainly the stuff no, I, I yeah. counseling yeah, theories can. that I know. They do yeah, keep having these meetings that Nog isn't present for, because uh, Nog's away on the holodeck, and then we get all these meetings which are not Starfleet meetings because they're bringing in Jake, who's his friend, and what, and they're all just sat around going, "Oh, we're really worried about him," and I'm not sure he's doing it like maybe someone should speak to Nog rather than just leaving him with the hologram guy. Yeah. I do like how uh, they all have a go at uh, Bashir and it's like, they start like, yeah, this is in this stupid program, the Vic Pontaine, and then someone goes, it could be worse, it could be the uh, David Crockett. Or the yeah, that's fun. Or yeah. the, and you've got different ones all slagging his yeah. drugs. Yeah. And you just go, what's up with the private eye? Hey, hey, what? Can't leave it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when which I think, is reasonable because Bashir should just go, <laughs> look, these were designed for fun. I didn't make them to counsel people through extreme PTSD. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and maybe we should be talking about Nog, not dissing my choice of holog hologram programs, uh, holographic yeah. programs. Um, That's that. Yeah, having a go at his choice of hologram program, exactly the sort of thing that a driver man to go live on the holodeck. And... <laughs> yeah, Nog just went there because they take the piss out of uh, yeah, something that he was watching on there. But yeah, yeah it's, I mean, and also Jake is all over the dial on this. He's like so concerned. Mm. And then the first chance he gets, he just has a go at Nog, not like he listens to music. I get that's driving him nuts. He didn't like. We don't see him first go. It's like, hey, no, look, I'm sorry. It's I, I need to get. Yeah. Would you mind turning I, it down? It's like you'd I at least think, try that first, wouldn't you? I've got. I think that that bit's played almost as if Nog's been back there all night and played the same tune. Yeah, yeah I think oh, that's I get that. I wasn't, that wasn't my point. I, I, I get that. It's implicated that it's been played through. Yeah. The whole no, no, night. No. It's like, come on. No, like, what I, I'm saying I, is, I actually did that a job once that I was really pissed off with the. Others, and I want. I actually, I'd handed my notice in, and I wanted them to sack me, so I could uh, get paid for my notice, and it worked. And I played the same song on on a loop for uh, the entire shift. <laughs> my point, though, I wasn't saying I, I get that it's been played all night, but Jake, at no point did we see him going up to him first. Like maybe earlier in the night, they could have had him going up and just going, "Hey, no, would you mind just just like it's, mm. sorry, you've been playing it like for an hour now, you know?" And then maybe you show him go, but like if you just go. Hey, what the fuck? Like, he knows he's got PTSD. He knows he's traumatized. And he thinks that's the way to deal with him playing his song a bit too much. It just makes Jake yeah. look like a dick when he's been concerned about him for the rest of the episode. It, it I mean, all of this really is set up to get us to yeah. not go to live with Vic. But yeah, it could have been less clumsily handled, I suppose. Well, um, later on, when... when uh, Nog is a dick to, to Jake's girlfriend as him. They could have just done that. It's like he comes in nicely and uh, Nog goes, oh, I'm sorry if this song bothers you. I'm just trying to get over it. Like, you know, we're really gone for him. And that's when he goes, oh, geez, why don't you just go somewhere else and listen to, you know, go to the whole deck if you want to listen to that. He kind of snaps because he snapped at. That would at least give him a reason to be such a cock about it. Like, it just makes it look yeah. like Jake's not considering anything, which he does for the rest of the episode. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that labor point now. 
I, I do enjoy it. that it's a bit sloppy is the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do once we get him onto the holodeck, I do enjoy the things they do there. Like yes. we've got this scene where they're watching the old films and Nog's watching Shane and he's annoyed that um bullet wounds, yeah, you know, the characters seem to well, Get over it really quickly, which I think is a really nice almost, touch to put but, in. But you've also got a. Um, it's also a bit shot. It's almost as if he expects it, it to be real, like he has actually been shot. But it's just been shot. Where's the blood? Yeah. <laughs> and I got, and I got, I almost got the impression that Nog was watching it as if he was watching an historic newsreel and not well, watching an historic movie. That. Well, if he had said that, if they played it like that, it would have made more sense. Because I, I honestly did enjoy quite a lot of this episode, but this this bit annoyed me because it's like they've got holodeck programs. He's just said it's a movie, so he knows it's a movie, and he's going, yeah. but he's just been shot. It's like what in no holodeck program do they ever kind of skip well, past the injured part to get on with stuff like in say Bashir's like you know, uh, yeah spy one. I think I think though I get where he's coming from here, like. You know, not not to bring it back to like experiences I've had, but I noticed okay. after I was in a coma and, you know, I, I had PTSD from that and whatnot, and I did start to notice in films that people just shake off a coma and they're up and walking about in two minutes. And that isn't what happens. Your legs atrophy and you have to learn how to walk again. And I wouldn't say, like, as it does with Nog here, it doesn't trigger me seeing that in a film. I'm like, yeah, I get that it's a fiction. Um, But I can relate to Nog's feeling. Like, it's not that he doesn't know that they fictionalise these things. It's that because of what's just happened to him, that rankles him at this moment in time. You know, it's... It's not coming from a place of ignorance. It's that it's yeah. it's just hit a nerve, and I, I can was, I can see why he would feel like that. I, can I thought that. it was like kind of like uh, he seemed to be smiling at it. I thought it was. I mean, like that that would make more sense to me if he was rankled by it. He just it didn't seem to be a <laughs> rankled reaction because yeah, like it it's nothing compared to what you went through, Jim. But. Uh, I came off my bike and I broke my arm. Like it's the same thing of kind of retraining your arm. I like imagine the next week it would be absolutely, you know, it'd be in a sling, but it'd be okay. Whereas like every time I moved, it hurt, which like you never really see that in TV shows much. It's like after they've broken it, they just walk around and find their arms in this thing. And, and I, I got kind of reaction from like, was on the ground just after I came off, like because there was cars behind me, my ear was right to the ground and I heard a car moving around me. It turns out it was moving to stop the traffic. But I thought I was gone. I thought I was going to get run over, and that stayed with me for a long time. So I get that kind of PTSD reaction. It was just he seemed to be laughing, which I I don't know. Maybe I maybe no, I need to I mean, that, that was the way I read it. That it, it yeah. wasn't that he he didn't believe it. It was that he was aggrieved that they were trivialising things in that way. That was the way I took it, and I I found yes, it to yeah. be quite. Uh, a powerful scene in that respect. But on a lighter note, when Vic gives him his new cane, which is this is quite good move by Vic. Like, I'll give him a cane that's a bit fragile so he can't put as much weight on it. And it looks pimp but, and has a lighter in it. Exactly. It's got the novelty cigarette lighter, which well, is there all you know, oh. exactly. 
and it's it's cool. It's not as cool as a gun that is actually a cigarette lighter. That that is the that is the pinnacle form of novelty lighter. But I think this is pretty good. Yeah, um, I mean, so I will go with that. And as Nog says, it kind of looks a bit like the Grand Nagus's, just to yeah, just to really make it perfect for for Nog. Mm. Like, because even though he's and, not like in uh, in the Ferengi business world, like as per se, he's very obviously a very proud Ferengi, and I think symbols like the Nagus's came would still mean a lot to him. I I like that. Oh That's yeah. And within this world that him and Vic are living in at the minute, he is playing a much more Ferengi role because he's doing the books and he's well, doing he all that. And he's, exactly. And he's running a casino, <laughs> or, you know, running the business. So yeah. yeah, I think he'd like to be cosplaying a bit as the Grand Nagus at this point. Um, Jake then taking his date. It's actually walking stick with flame stickers would be awesome. It would. Oh man. Watch house. They, he gets an episode. I was going to say, didn't episode. House have oh, one? Sorry, man. <laughs> didn't mean well, to, I didn't to remember what that. He came with a metal skull on top. Because he was, yeah. There was, um, it was when, uh, yeah, House goes into the thing and he goes, like, no, I want a really cool stick. And he's looking through and he picks up the one with uh, the flames and he goes, now this is bitching. <laughs> Chains are cool. Like, I. I'm waiting for my knee to get a little bit bad, a little bit worse than it is, but then I'm definitely going to start rocking a cane. Um, anyway, so Jake taking his dates on the holodeck. It's only just occurred to me, but it's probably that Jake thinks, oh, going to see my friend will be good and I'll I'll take my date and that'll he'll get to socialise a little bit more. That's probably what it is, but it might be that Jake's gone, oh, I'll book a really cool Hollow Suite program for him. Then he gets there and quacks, oh, I'm sorry, the only one we've got, <laughs> no, that's the only one that's running. You're going to have to take well, her in there. Oh, oh, well, yes, no, because I was I... checking on my friend, really. Uh, sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry, did you misconstrue that? I was just yeah. trying to get late. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think you're wrong there because Quark does have several Hollow Suites. He does. I think that was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. Um, I do like the bit earlier on, though, where Quark's like, who's going to pay for the whole... Oh, I suppose I'll have to do it. Um, <laughs> so that's good quite good. Spot. And it's greatly appreciated. You know, you know the only thing I think I would have liked uh, in, in this episode, like at this point, where they've um, done... We were talking about when the, the first part of... Sort of part one, I guess, uh, AR, Siege of whatever... Um, mm -hmm. We talked about how Quark was played less for laughs than that. I kind of would have liked uh, Rom to have been a bit more like that. Like, he's his dad, and he kind of almost gets yeah. sidelined in this episode. Yeah. I know in their kind of, like, family unit, Quark usually takes lead. I would have loved him to, to have told uh, Quark to shut up, and you can pay for them. You know, give him a moment. And I feel like yeah. they're in the cell in this. You know, like, yeah. all the other Ferengis get moments like that. And, yeah, I know Rom does stand up to people at certain points, but it just, this seemed like the perfect moment to have him play it completely straight, which he doesn't I do feel do. like, though, that they, they save Nog to play an important role at the end, because it's like Jake doesn't get through to him, but his dad goes to see Rom? him, and that... Oh, so Rom, yes, sorry. Um, so it is when Rom goes to see him that yeah. it starts to break through, so I thought they, they used him well in that respect. Um, 
but yeah, it's. I mean, the we've sort of covered the the ins and outs of the plots really that they start expanding the casino business and all this, and there's there's a nice moment where you can see that Vic starts to enjoy it as well, and, well, and they talk this, about it like, oh, I don't it, get switched off anymore. It's you know, yes, I get well, to live a it, life. It, well, it comes out with the uh, Philip K. Dick stunt. Because Nogas seemed to do a hologram's dream when he goes to bed, mm. he's tired. <laughs> yeah, of well, I, course. I, I also like the idea that it's like, well, to begin with, I think when he talks about being tired and stuff, I felt like it was a bit of a ploy to like, oh, I'm so tired and I've got these books to do. Like it was to draw Nog in. But the more he said it, the more he started going, actually, well, I, no, I, I do get to be on 24-7. I get to have a life a bit. And, and that's when mm. he starts to get seduced by it. But I, I like the fact that it was all part of his ploy, which just kind of like he well, forgets he's I, playing a game. I think at first, kind of. I think when he first was doing going to Nog, I've got this to do and I've got that to do, was almost trying to get Nog to leave the holodeck. Yeah, that's what I mean. Of, yeah. yeah. But then, yeah. then when Nog takes over... Uh, like as you seen that there's progress with Nog, but she goes to Vic and Vic's got the casino growing, and Vic has almost forgotten that it's all about making Nog better, mm. and he's interested in his life in his life, and he's sort of like has to remember, oh yeah, Nog, almost that Vic has got caught up in doing his own thing. Yep. Yeah, it almost becomes sort of like an addiction for Nog that it. He's gone too far into the fantasy and they need to draw him back out now. It's like he's, he's done his healing or he's done it as much as he can on there. Yeah. And you know what it is? The holodeck becomes the cane. That's what he's leaning on is the holodeck. Instead of physically leaning on a cane, he's leaning on this fictionalized well, world that he's made in there. Because you start seeing it and he's not using the cane and it's like, when exactly. Vic first gives him the again, he goes, oh, well, I don't need to put my full weight on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you see when he's greeting other people and all that, he stops using the cane and he's splashing it round and stuff. Well, that's the thing. It's when Ezra starts talking to him and he looks over and he sees him clearly not using the cane. And it's like, this is one bit where I think Ezra's, the counselling was correct. You know, they was going, she was going... God, of course, this was all part of your game. You knew that Jake didn't need this anymore. And yeah. you absolutely set X, Y, and Z up. And that's really nice. I think that makes her seem like a credible counselor in that moment. And, you know, so she's without better at counselling the hologram than she yeah. is at counselling the, the, the real person with PTSD. Yeah. And she's yeah. really good with holograms who are temporarily upset. What? This is what they never brought up is that she was a specialist in holograms, which are temporarily upset. Yeah, that was her field in counseling. So, no wonder well, I, kn I didn't recognize the concept because it hasn't been invented yet. I feel like an idiot now. Well, that's it. She probably works at that, uh, wherever it is where all the copies of the doctor are cleaning the shit out of all the, the mind, pipes. Yeah. That's she, yeah. she probably just um counsels they all of them, there. so that's all right. Yeah. yeah, and probably a lot of work, um, given what we know of the doctor's temperament and then having to do <laughs> that job. Ezra's probably got a work cut out for her there. Um, but yeah, ultimately, Vic does the right thing and gets Nog to come off the holodeck. And there's a really nice scene with O'Brien where Nog starts to open up a little bit. Well, Vic has had enough of him, hasn't he? And he goes in program. Well, I don't think he's had enough. He's, he, I think he's doing it to himself as well. He, he's it's for his own good, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's when he says, I'm programmed, and you just see 
Jake on the floor, like that is one of the most powerful acting performances. Just like, you know, bravo to the late, great um, Aaron Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Aaron Eisenberg, fantastic performance like that. It's just, it's, I felt that. And I've seen people in traumatic situations and that just was, yeah, next level. That was great. Yeah, because it's, it, it, to go back to the metaphor, but it's it instantly his his walking stick, metaphorical walking stick, gets yanked away, and it's whoa, he's exposed again, and yeah. and you you get a nice scene where you see how his mind transitions from I can't cope without it. Uh, I'm going back to the real world where he is chatting with O'Brien, and he's frantically trying to in invade commas fix the holodeck, but we know it can't be fixed. Um, and over the course of that conversation, it gets to acceptance that he's going to go back into the real world. It's it's when he starts saying, you know, it's like, uh, it, here, here it doesn't, like, you know, nothing about it's fine. I know I'm safe, basically. And mm, that yeah. is such a powerful metaphor for stuff which didn't even <laughs> exist. And, you know, I think a lot of us can find it easy to lose ourselves in games and in, uh, in the internet and in the kind of social media world. It's very easy to lose yourself in that world and tune out from your real life because it's safer, because it's easier. And this, this seems to shadow what like, It seems so uh, pathetic uh, watching it back now. Well, it's safer and easier until the mob bosses turn up in the next episode. But um, there we go. Uh, so, yeah. We, we leave Nog in a place where he's back on limited duty and he's realised that he's not okay yet, but he will be will eventually. Be. And, we, and we have the nice bit at the end when he's realised that and yeah. he turns himself back on. Yeah. And all like that. That's it. Just say, well done, Kate, basically. And he's on for, for 24-7 after that. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, he is, isn't no, he? No, they said that, that, yeah, 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 Nog pays for it, don't they? He does the deal. Nog's paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really good, strong episode, and it? It is a Which break from the, the main... Well, it begs the question once again, Nog is a Starfleet officer. Where is he getting his cash from? Oh, he'd st- he had it stashed from his uh, Frankie got Frankie we cash. Does, we do know it does dodgy deals. We've seen it a few episodes. Oh, you don't even have to go there. Go back to his earlier ones where he's selling kind of like hectares of land. You know, he got, <laughs> yeah. he got a payout for that and he kept it. You know, it's a, and you know a what? Quark's a big softy, really. I think out of gratitude for what Vic's done to help Nog. I think Quark could be quite happy leaving yeah. this running. So I'm telling you, it's Jake Nog Enterprises or whatever they call the bullshit. It could be all the No J Emporium. No yeah. J Emporium. That's it. Right. Let's move on to Chimera then, which is because that it's only a Paper Moon was a break from the main thrust of the wall in order to do a, a character study. And it's always worth shouting out, like we say it all the time, but that was a character study on a character who isn't even part of the main cast, but the amount of good writing that DS9 did over the years, it may as well have been a member of the main cast. I, I was obsessed on this. I think, like, we know who the main cast are who appear in the titles, but I reckon if you asked a lot of people, they would name... Your Nogs and your Roms and your Garricks mm-hmm. and your um, 
Goldie Katz as main cast of DS9, they wouldn't think of them as supporting actors. And no, stuff. no. Because in that many episodes, they've got to go, like, in a, in a TV series that runs nowadays, that maybe runs 10 episodes a season and maybe runs four or five seasons, every one of them actors have been in more episodes of DS9. Yeah, I, I'd also give you that uh, Aaron Eisenberg in the last series, I think, becomes more central. He's in most episodes. Yeah, you he, do. He probably is the, by he now. Does escalate. Yeah. But he doesn't yeah. start off as one. You're right. But I mean, But he's been there the entire story. It has. Uh, as is a lot of these characters who are down as being just supporting actors, and it's like they've been there for seven seasons. Well, it's not about being there for seven seasons, about how much how many episodes you're in yeah. if you're in every episode, which yeah. is to begin with. So I, I take Jim's point. But I mean, getting onto this Chimera episode, I mean, you've got a really big kind of like uh, not B plot, but it's kind of like sub to the A plot where the uh, Klingons get involved. I was really surprised Martok seemed absent. I don't know if he was busy that week, but you know, since we yeah, know Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, he's mentioned, but we don't well, see him. Yeah. Well, let's bear in mind that he's a supporting actor, so uh, you've probably got that thing where you well, we, we know how TV works. If you put them in X amount of episodes of a season, you've got to call them main characters and they get a different wage structure and uh, percentage structure. Sorry, just checking. You guys know he's playing the changeling here, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry. I was just, I was just checking. You were playing it so straight. I was like, you do you do know that? Sorry, uh, stellar acting, guys. I didn't mean to break the wall, but it's like, and you know, that's, are they playing it really well? Or... <laughs> that's one of my issues with this episode is that JG Hertzler has a very distinctive voice yes, and yes. he does he does a lot to modulate it and not sound like Martok in this episode, but he can a hundred percent get away with it and it, it does break my immersion in this episode that it it's so clearly the same actor. And it's I mean, one of them where you're like, Yeah, he's a great actor, but why didn't you just get somebody else? Like, I mean, next you'll be saying that the uh, Klingon who came on going, Gordon's you can always like, tell uh, when you're with JJ. <laughs> <laughs> next, you'll be saying the guy who came on and said, Gordon's alive, like, uh, you know, that that, that was obviously was Brian Blessed. I mean, geez, you never guess it. Yeah, some people just have a too distinctive voice to. Yeah, it's one of them, like, why, why didn't you just get someone else? Uh, I mean, it does play really well. It does play it really well, yeah. Um, I've got a theory. He's a character actor. He's not a main cast member. This role has obviously been there. He's gone for the audition and he's got it. Oh, I don't think he's auditioned. I think this is like either they've said, hey, like, you know, this is the other part. You're not in this episode. Do you want to come along and play? I think it might also be that originally they signed him up for so many episodes one of the episodes, the plot line didn't pan out or something, or they changed it. And so they brought him in as this other character, because that has happened. Possibly. that Because if you sign up for 12 episodes, you've got to use the put guy in 12 episodes, for instance. Or it, another thing could be that maybe they had a different guest star lined up to play Laz, who dropped out, and last minute yeah, they were possibly. like, right, who do we know that we can get pretty who do we know that happened do with? a good job? Um, what? Who do we know who, who that happened with? In next generation, uh, ooh, we chat know. to him. He told us in person. Did he? 
Bronze with Smavid Smorvent. Smorvent. Oh, um, yeah. Smavid Smorna, even. David oh, Warner. yes, of course. David Warner, David Warner. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. He was born in last right. moment. Like, you know, that I can't believe because he was just yeah. so great. Yeah, and that you've got to say Herzog is amazing in this as well. You know, the great performance. Just a very distinctive voice, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the we start with Odo and O'Brien on the runabout and we get the requisite Odo and Kira acute moment. Um, which is, oh, I've bought her chocolates and I've bought her a little No, it's about, about the, I bought this knickknack. Yeah. And then it's, I bought her chocolates as well. And O'Brien right the song goes. And O'Brien's, yeah, O'Brien's playing bloke code. You can, <laughs> if you are going back, you cannot mm. go, I'm buying my girlfriend a wife present. And she's up, and not let your mate know. So he, he looks a, a pile of shit. It's a fair and, point, and, yeah. And bloke code, Odo should have let him have one of them presents. I say, I say bloke code doesn't you mean you announce what you're buying for your girlfriend. Like, yeah, yeah I think you're... No, you're, but you're, I agree with Elliot. Once he's called on it, Odo should have been like, yeah, you're right, mate. I don't want you getting in trouble. Yeah. But to be fair, I think Keiko would be more suspicious of that because I don't think yeah. O'Brien has once brought Keiko a present yeah, back and not should but, he? But he's he's looking like I'm off to look a pile of shit here because you you're buying you're buying presents, you're bringing presents. Exactly. Honestly, I think you guys got more out of this. I thought this was an underbaked cold open for my liking. No, I thought well, they, it was. No, that he, as he's, well. bro- he's broken the cold here, Odo. <laughs> I, I just yeah, thought they had three lines. They go fuck off to the deserted mine and stay. Yeah, there. if you watch for the rest of the series now. It's never the same again between O'Brien <laughs> and Odo after this. Yes, he's brilliant. Um, I, I think what, what O'Brien needs to realise, though, is they're married, him and Keiko. Keiko isn't expecting the job. See, he isn't respect, respecting anything. Whereas Odo... It doesn't matter. Just got into relation- no, no, listen it. a second. Listen, Elliot. Come on, you've got, got two of these, one of these. Um, you got... I think, like, when you're in a new relationship, you do more with this shit. You, like, you go away for a day and, like, you just went down to the shops or something and you've got to bring back a present. I think this is new relationship against marriage. Yeah, maybe, but the thing, maybe. The thing is, O'Brien was okay with it. To an extent, when he just got the one thing. But then when he had two presents for her, that was like, no, you've got to let me have one of them. Yeah, that's taking it too far. Odo brought the card. He should have got something for his wife if he really cared. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No. Wow. It's how Odo's and done I, it. I, I'm that's not your it. And it's, and, and it's, and, open, and the it's is, open the floodgates as well. And the, thing, and the thing is, Odo's playing with the knickknack that he had no reason to, but then he makes a point of showing off that he has the chocolates before saying that he also got a chocolate. So O'Brien sees that he say, he's done this. He totally broke the code, did he, And it's, it's opened up the floodgates because if he gets Keiko a present, he's got to get Molly a present. And if he gets Molly a present, he's got to get Hiroyoshi a present. Oh, and that is a and thing. You don't buy anything for your kids when you're going on Hollybobs. That's it. This Odo's just sorry, ruined Brian that man's marriage dick, completely. Brian's being a bit of a dick. Uh, no, it's Odo's fault because if Odo hadn't yeah. brought Kira anything, they wouldn't have noticed. Only been exactly. away. Oh, oh no, they've only been away anything. for a day. So now it doesn't matter about the present. Is what you're saying? You're just arguing. No, it did. It did. They shouldn't. 
it shouldn't matter about the person, but the fact that Odo's done it makes the difference. Exactly. I just exactly. Say, it's Odo has created this situation that didn't need to exist. Yes. And then, and then he's, then got he's two got O'Brien and in what, it. And what share with O'Brien to get O'Brien out of the shit? Are we just doing half an hour of this, this shitty cold open, which they didn't bother writing <laughs> yeah, at all? Yeah, that's it now. Like they gave it two no. lines to this cold open. It's just crap. <laughs> okay, and we're spending more so... time on this than we probably will have for the rest of the episode. Most likely. Um, so we find a spacefaring changeling. <laughs> Uh, but I do like the fact that he calls himself a metamorph. Uh, it's just a nice little detail that this changeling was raised on a different planet and so has its own name for itself. Uh, I so I just thought... Before he knew. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. So I like the fact that that... It, it's just a little bit of flavour to the and background they, that I really like. They also have, when they I, I, had that guy who had the um, little pendant, which morphed he, well, had he was the first one to well. use the word no he was the first one to use the word changelings oh i thought odo had used something else or like odo had used no no he, he, he did no, say oh. changelings he yeah one of the thing i do like about lars is you can see the similarities to odo's makeup and that but you can see subtleties in the face that these differences because he's yeah. from a, a different alien he's, world yeah. He's based himself on a different alien, yeah. Uh, so but there is a consistency is... with the smoothness of the features, which does imply that that is consistent across all changelings in in the form, the solid form that they're yeah. most comfortable in. So we know they can yeah. do perfect but, imitations of tricky, anybody but... else. This is tricky, yeah. but feathers and flame are okay. Those and are cop and yeah. copying someone else is easy, but we yeah. can't do our own form. Yeah, I think, and that's I, think, and I think that's why it's in flame. We can't do our own yeah. form. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit yeah. And we start. We start right from the start getting these contrasts between how Lars has lived and how Odo's lived, and most strikingly, we find out he's. He's been among solids for a lot longer, and he feels he like he, he yeah. So he yeah, moved on from yeah. he moved on from humanoids, and it it let's be he's a bit of a knob, is Lars really, isn't he? Because he he takes this sort of high and mighty attitude of oh you uh, you're just young and don't worry uh, you'll you'll yeah, understand I, one day. I'm gonna stop you from doing what I did wrong. I saw yeah. that the, the, they also called back because they mentioned the 100 previously, which went out. Yes. That's a lovely little callback, and it's like he's one of the 100. It's, yeah. I, if anything, I kind of wish we'd had a few more of them pop up every now and then. Yeah. There's, out, not too much, but. there's a great DS9 novel. Uh, I believe it's called The Siege by Peter David. And it. it it will be full of contradictions now because it was written very early in the series run. Um, but it's all about another changeling that I think works as an assassin or something. And Odo and this changeling have to like fight it out. <laughs> and so, you know, the books are never canon anyway, but I think I that say, one yeah. will have a lot of contradictions in it. But it's it being like a Peter David Star Trek book, it's a cracking read. So it's not like in Star Wars where until the recent movies, 
every book was carefully crafted so as not to contradict anything and it all made a beautiful time. Well, like Star Trek was like, as eh, a story one and tell, fuck it. Well, and when be, the TV show wanted to do something different, it just did. Well, the difference with Star Wars was when a lot of the books were being written before Disney acquired Star Wars, they only had six movies to worry about that they well, was, it, that doesn't that go it. even doesn't that even go before the prequels? I think they start those and the prequels were really Oh yeah, there were books. Yeah, for, uh, well yeah. there was but until yeah. Disney got it and he started getting series and more movies, etc. Star Wars only had six movies that you didn't have to contradict. It's a lot different with Star Trek when you're looking at oh. three six, uh, the sheer number of episodes and, and time. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying this is a good thing. I, I kind of like the fact that Star Trek were like, look, this is a good story. It's based on what we know currently yeah. from the TV show, movies, whatever. But, yeah. And and when the TV show, show needs to contradict it, of course they're not going to read through well, every that's, fucking novel. Well, you know. that's why they've always, always said that the books, the grit, the enjoyable, the good, the based, on, the based on the worlds, but they're not canon. And they've yeah. always stuck to that. The books are not canon. The problem with mm -hmm. Star Wars is they said that the books were canon because they only had to worry about six movies. Yeah, but or, even or then, movies. Star Wars had about five levels of canon. There was G yeah, canon, no. which was George Lucas canon, which was the highest level of canon. Then there was Alpha canon, oh. Beta canon. Honestly, it, it oh. was more confusing than it. And, and let's be honest, that. George Lucas couldn't write three prequel movies that managed to not contradict his original <laughs> movies so Crazy. you know uh, anyway yeah but um but you know what i mean about yeah that's like the whole point is that star trek has always said the books are fun but they're not canon do you don't remember yeah. the bit where uh where darth vader says to luke it's like i am your father also you know those fucking droids you hang around with i built those what, mm. what are you doing with them don't remember. Oh yeah, that's in the yeah. section three. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Lars. Then eventually they link, and <coughs> Lars decides that he loves it. He can't get enough of it. He's mad for it. Mad for it. The dirty bugger even wants to link on the promenade in front like, of everyone else. Let's be Whoa. fair, though. That's let's an asbo. Is that? Let's be fair. Order is really eager to link with him. It's Order who starts mm. it. And we've seen previously Order with the female founder who <laughs> wanted to link all time to the point where he, um, he nearly fucked up them taking the station back and got Ron killed. I will say this, no, though. Even though Lars is playing the dick and he wants to do stuff in public, this sounds really dodgy, but he wants to do stuff in public, which Odo just isn't happy about. But... I do kind of, there are some, like, what I like about this episode is Lars makes some good points. Like, you know, he does, it is yeah. like Odo's ashamed of who he is. It yeah. is like, he, here he is having evidence to back up what he's saying when the Klingons start on him for basically just existing there. Yeah, he's got some really good point about how conflicted Odo is. Like, later on, if anything, I think the way they play it in this episode kind of excuses every way Odo is because it's like he's on our side but it's like no I think it is a valid question of like and, and they sort of do do it a bit at the end where he kind of like lets go a bit more but I, I, I do think there is some some interesting questions here about who Odo is and why he kind of chooses what he does yeah. around humans but you also have the thing that like right from the start of this the imprisoned Lars for nothing apart from being a changeling yeah uh, 
it's not a foundry, it's one of the hundreds, or one of the hundred. So he has nothing to do with the founders. So you've immediately got Odo, he's on the back foot, and arguing, look, what are you holding him for? He has done nothing wrong. We've got something from the uh, Facebook user. Lars was kind of a reminder of what Odo could have been, turned out like if he'd gone a little crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I think some of the stuff, like he, his experiences have led him to here. I don't think it's crazy. You could say he's wrong-footed about humans because he, uh, well, he, has, he hasn't experienced every solid so how can you say they're all evil, but his experience has led him here. He talks about some of the stuff he's gone through. So yeah, I don't and crazy I think price for you, Lars even articulates it and we know he's right because they've linked and Odo doesn't contradict him. And it, the the thing that it comes down to is Odo's feelings for Kira, like Lars says to yeah. him, don't give me that shit because don't. I basically I've read your mind. You would be a founder if it wasn't for her. It's not yeah, you it, not because you don't believe you don't believe in the war. It's not some grand philosophical thing. It is literally Kira and that's it. And they've been quite consistent with that because they do that with the female uh, uh, founder as well. Mm. Like there's, there's there's quite a few times where they basically prove Odo really only does it for Kira. But I, if anything, I think like it is a bit of a shame because when you see all the other relationships he has, it's like, well, none of that would sway you a little bit. I mean, that's, see, I, no, that's I think shame. it would. I think it would a little bit. And I think he is philosophically opposed to the founders and everything they're doing but i think the lure of being back with his own people yeah. is that strong yeah. that kira is the thing that tips it over and if she wasn't there then that is what he'd he'd be like you know uh well he would be a founder whereas Lars is more of a a free spirit and it, it does raise this interesting yeah, idea throughout the episode where he's like let's go start our own changeling society then and we'll go round up yeah. the rest of the hundred. We won't rejoin yeah. the founders because yeah, we don't like that out. idea. And like Lars has obviously got that from Lincoln with Odo and he doesn't like the idea of what they're doing. There's and a really good point from, uh, sorry, the comment just very quickly. It's, it's really, it's got to be said, can you blame him curious or a fair comment? I don't <laughs> that is a fair, that a fair it comment. It is a very yeah. fair comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, particularly yeah. with the season seven hair. Um, but yeah. Lars, like he says early on, he's like, well, I can understand not wanting anything to do with solids, but why bother what, why bother controlling them? That, that doesn't interest him. He, he just doesn't yeah. have that side of it that the, the founders do. Um, what else do we get then? Can I ask you guys a question just while we're on that point, though? Sure. Do you think that Lars' version of the, the mini Great Link, if you will, with a hundred as many as they can find, do you think it would have been that different from the other one just because he seems to want yeah. to tell you some things as they do? So I, it no, I think, no, I think what I just want, talked about there is the distinction. I don't think they'd try and take over other people. I think they'd just yeah, they'd they'd be like be splendid be isolation. isolation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's find... Uh, Let's find a, a, a world that's got animal life, but it hasn't got a sentient life, or it's yeah. not sentient. Or it hasn't got sort of humanoid intelligent life. It's just got animals running around, 
and let's uh, go there and enjoy ourselves and we can do stuff. Yeah, in. I think that's it. I don't think he wants to conquer on any level. I no. think he, he just literally wants nothing to do he with wants, any of them. He wants to be able to exist as a changeling with nothing to do with any of them. Yeah. Which I think um, is, I think if you actually look at what the founders want, it's also very similar. They just want to be left alone on their world. But the way they've gone about doing that is to create the Vorta and the Gemadar to sub- yeah, yeah. subjugate the rest of the galaxy to keep them away from one planet. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. They, their fear of the the solids has driven them to, right, well, we're going to have to control the entire galaxy so we can yeah. be on its own, whereas Lads yeah. is like, well, we'll just go to this quiet planet and it'll be right. Yeah. Um but if anyone uh, goes near, we're fucking taking them out. They could maybe. go to Eden. <laughs> Eden would be perfect for them. I doubt if that acid would affect them in the slightest bit. All yeah, I'm saying is, I bet Lars would have had right. really good defence on that planet, though. If mm. anyone came up, came anywhere near their airspace, they were getting shut the fuck down that second. <laughs> the bit where he meets all of Odo's friends is quite good. She get Dax is trying to be nice and saying, like, oh, it must be great being able to fly through space. And Laz just sort of goes, yeah, well, you can't do it, and you're all a bunch of bastards anyway. Yeah. You'll never experience it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, nice meeting you. <laughs> yeah. And he does start being a bit of a dick, because he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn into fog and just fog up the whole... Yeah, that was like, okay, yes, you can do this, but should you do this? And you... You're 200 years old. You've been around humanoids. You know how they can react. You are being a dick by <laughs> doing this, that you know you are yeah. going to get a reaction. The thing is, he's, yeah, he's gone, he's trying to convince Odo, which, again, he's got some good points about, yeah, you're holding yourself back this, this that, and the other way when you don't have to. Whereas he goes to the other extreme of like, yeah, let's make people feel uncomfortable and threatened as opposed yeah, to exactly. let them get used to you well, and go, it's like, okay, like, I would like to actually have a bit of a section to go around as a uh, cloud. Is that right? You know, he, d- he doesn't play the game at all. It's like, no, he's decided exactly. because all the, ch- the um, swords he's met have been dodgy. He's not going to be the same. And Odo sort of impulsively starts trying to defend him, going like, he was just being a changeling. What's your problem? And it's like, oh, come on, Odo. We know even you don't believe that. You're yeah. not happy about this. But, right, you, like, like, this is, like, there's this thing with the Klingons, like, when they go through and all that. And, it, and the thing is, he stabbed the one who didn't, who didn't stab him. He went for the other one. I, I will... I was just gonna... it's, it, but it's stodgy, like, yeah, he was defending himself, but he knew that they couldn't hurt him because they tried to stab him. Still, so, though, I would say the fact that Klingons, their argument is, and like, you know, uh, Odo says, like, oh, since when are they arguing legal points? I think, like, they, Odo's kind of got a bit of a point that they were being uh, aggressed towards him. They threatened him with a knife. Okay, uh, he shouldn't have been there as a gas, but they're hardly blameless in this. Uh, Star Trek True. 6. Klingons argued a legal point. They did, it's true. <laughs> in a very um, Klingon way, not this well, wasn't very Klingon. Well, keeps... To be fair, the Klingons, and we have seen this a few times, that Klingons, we know how they are warlike and all that, but when they are interacting with the Federation and they want to be dicks, 
then get their own way because the Federation of Broken Federation rules, they will do the legal route. They will. And we have seen this before. But, but I'm saying... they are dicks. And, but, but they are right. Lars did surround them in a threatening way. I'm it just did. saying that they don't in any of the other episodes I've seen. I've never heard them go. It's like, oh, well, but surely, Your Honor, he would have known that he couldn't hurt them. Like, they came at him as warriors. Why would they argue that? Because that makes them seem warrior-like. That, that it, argues it, against their honor, I would say. Another it's argument, because... though, that falls through is like Odo all the way through is going, well, they wouldn't have done that if he wasn't a changeling. Like, well, if anyone else turned into a fog on the promenade, you'd arrest them. So, yeah. you know, Odo, yeah, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. to apply the same standards both ways. I'm not saying Odo's right. I'm just saying neither of <laughs> the Klingons purely right. Their, if, their arguments are a bit weak source for me. If Quark were there with a fog machine, throwing it out onto the promenade, his ass wouldn't touch the floor. He'd be in that cell that quickly. Odo would be after him. Oh, yeah. God, the the, uh, the Ferengi foam and uh, uh, fog pass. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, if, the amount of times Quark... he's been the clink for that. Yeah, if Quark had an unsanctioned phone party on the promenade, it Odo would have him banged to rights. Yeah. So it's yeah. working both ways. Um, anyway, so I do feel there's a little bit of coldness from Odo when he's talking to Kira. He's like, yeah, well, I've thought about it, you know, so I might, I might go off and live with Lars. And it's like, hang on. You brought her a, a trinket and some chocolates at the start think, of this episode. Oh, let's not start this again. <laughs> We've only got so long left. Like we're already on the, at the hour. We could be going on two hours if you start. Yeah, the not go back. I just thought it was considering how besotted with a we know Odo to be. That's like his main character trait. It quite surprised me that he even reveals to her that there's a part of him that likes the idea of um, going off with Lars. I was just I like, think, wow, I, I, think, I didn't expect well, him to say that. I think that's because of how he, how besotted he actually is with Kim. Yeah. He's being honest. And it, and yeah, it, probably. It, and, it, and like Lars said, it, you would be with the link if it wasn't for Kira. Mm. And, 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 and he's being honest and he's going, look, is my own kind being linked is natural to me. I mm -hmm. feel really, really good when this is when I feel normal. When he's inside me. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. Just inside each other. Uh, this gives I, I, him a chance to do that without having to join an evil dictatorship as well, yeah. which must be quite nice, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And also, there's the deleted scene, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but like he goes out of the quarters, he sees O'Brien in the corner, and he goes, Oh, you think this is Like, what do I get every night with Keiko? You should be in there. Jesus, give me the mm. fucking chocolates already. Did any of us buy for even a second, though, that Odo was going to leave? No. 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 So it, it's a bit of a false bit of drama at the end because we know ultimately he's not going to i think it was more no. about like i do think they kind of wanted us to fall for that but i think the main thing was kira making that gesture yeah. it's showing the... that kira is willing to let him go that's the yeah, that's, that's the big thing him. has there been any um, future stories <laughs> written about Laz? no because he's dead well i was just about to say because he's dead because yeah. We know Odo is the one who infected yep. the Great Link. 
No, I said Odo. Odo kills Lars this episode yeah. unwittingly, yeah. but he he does. He sentences him to death. Yeah. So unless like, he went out and found him after to cure him, and yeah. any others that like, Lars managed to well, meet are also going to die now. Well, I've often I've wondered <laughs> about this because obviously Lars is near the wormhole here. He's near Kardashian space. He's linked with Odo. He obviously knows where the founders are now. Mm. So from here, when Oda says, I'm not coming with you, Lars wants to find his own kind. Has he gone straight to Kardashian space anyway and joined, the, joined up with the founders? Maybe, found yeah. Another, found another. Also, you know, you're mentioning the kind of disease which is going through the, the uh, founders at this stage. Yeah. Does this make it an LTI, a link transmitted infection? I think it does, yeah. It does. Yeah, I think that's what we've got uh, to call from now on. It's the LTI. I think that it, were, it was designed as that. It okay, so Odo decides to leave, not to leave because of love. And then I don't know how else to put this, so I'm just going to say how I've written in my notes. They do a weird sex thing at the end. That's what's going <laughs> on. I know it's meant to be this, oh, I get to know you in a way that... No, that... If that camera had stayed on that scene, there was some filthy Serious. stuff was about to go on. Yeah, that was starting into a major <laughs> uh, weird yeah. sex scene. And I've exactly. got to say, bravo, Star Trek, gay sex, right in the uh, in the in the nineties, early two thousands at this stage. I mean, you know. I Kira and Odo at the end. Oh, I thought you meant the linking stuff. Yeah, but that's also... Oh, no, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I've been think... sex positive all through this episode. It's nice. Yeah. No, it is. But, yeah, I just... I think something... I, I don't even want to think about what they were doing after the cameras cut there, because... <laughs> and well done to, to Nana Visitor for managing to pretend that there's some stuff swirling about well, and making she, her orgasmic. Well she actually does look like it's all going on, doesn't she? She and does, that yeah. Just, that's obviously done on green screens. She's actually yeah. on her own. That's Very why uh, Kira, whenever she went to Earth, she could never visit, visit London. The fog would have just driven her nuts. Mm. Well, that's it. The fog's all last. Anyway, we'll wrap up there then. So, as I said earlier in the episode, next week, we begin covering the effectively the last 11 episodes of deep space nine we're not taking a break between any of them uh we are skipping over one episode before we get there but Which once we the start next, next week with a bing the bang I was just going to relate back to the episode the only thing I did think was sorry I, I know we were kind of wrapping up but just like I thought they've got Jay Herzog that I know they probably didn't want to put him in Garon makeup right after he's been in the changing makeup. But like they mentioned Garon, it's like, I felt like he should have walked in on that state. Like they could have filmed it next week while they're filming an episode with him. It just seemed really weird. They mentioned Garon. It's like, Garon won't be too happy with this. Like, why would you mention him when you know that's a actor you're not going to use? Oh, sorry, Martok, pardon me. That's Martok, but yes, yeah, they do, you're right. Um, it felt weird to me. Why mention him when you're... you're maybe it was intended to be one of them uh, little winks, like, maybe. you won't be seeing Martok this week. I will give a little clue. Our last episode of the Dominion War mm -hmm. will be going out live from a live show, we hope, or we think so, on the 14th of March. 
That's so the plan. Yourselves. <laughs> well, why don't we just say? It? I mean, like, is it a secret? I mean, <laughs> no, we can we can announce it now. Between we, we, let's we have all it. the scheduling. Yeah, we're going to sci-fi weekend, and we're going to do uh, what they, what we leave behind. We are, yeah. We um, a happy accident, or uh, or our immaculately good planning. We planned it. We planned this since the fourteenth of April, twenty twenty two. Sorry, twenty twenty one. We've been planning for our last episode to go out on the fourteenth of March, twenty twenty. There you go. That's how we well we planned away from it. The, from the uh, from the pod for a certain amount of uh, of time. I'd come back just so, at this time. We'd have this time when I break my arm. When Jim went, <laughs> it was so intricate. This plan we did. We gave it a lot of thought, but I mean, the it was a bit mean of meaningless. That we will be ready to cover uh, what we leave behind, the finale of Deep Space Nine. And um, we plan on doing that live from the Reed Cutters pub on the first day of the sci fi weekend of the Thursday. Uh, so apologies to anyone who doesn't arrive early, but it's like we, we, we haven't got we, an exact time yet. We're thinking probably about one thirty. That's the plan. Uh, we were about 1.30 last time. So. We were. So we're, we're aiming for around then, but we, we've yet to finalise an exact time. Uh, but we will be doing that live from the pub at the Sci-Fi Weekenders. Come and join us for that. And then on the Saturday, we are presenting When Trek Goes Wrong at the Movies. Uh, which... Part one. Part one. Part one. Part one. What are we doing? Well, no, because we are going to eventually do this. Eventually, we're going to do part two. Yeah, but what's that going to be? Like, I thought we had them all covered. Anyway, okay. Anyway, not at all. Anyway, (laughs) so next week we'll be back with more episodes of Deep Space Nine. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us where retrekpod at gmail.com. Sorry, banners at retrekpod on Twitter, X, everything else. We're on all the socials. Elliot's got Retrek Model Studios on YouTube, where you're currently working on. It's the Spitfire. I got nothing done last weekend. Spitfire. Uh, you were around mine last weekend, so you know what I was doing instead. Yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Squee, what have we got going on? Well, tomorrow, uh, because I, I have got another get, like, so... I'll even tell you, too, like, not, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, I've got Madam Misfit coming back to the pod, so we're going to be talking about Sci-Fi Weekend. But in the meantime, because I did have the guest for this week, uh, we've got an interview I did uh, a few years back with Lee Sullivan as part of Squee Fest, which is my 24-hour video marathon, but it's never been available on its own, so I've cut that out and put it up there. It's going to be going on the YouTube channel and uh, Facebook tomorrow. So uh, dogsquee.com, youtube.com slash drsquee, or uh, Facebook uh, facebook.com slash the drsquee show. Fantastic. And um, thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Goodbye. LLAP and drone. We're off.